Before we dive into this week's episode of the Schooner Pod, I would like to warn you, this particular episode contains adult content. Because of the nature of the Kansas game, our language got, well, maybe mine, got a little bit salty. So if you're not not willing or able to listen to uh, you know, some salty words for this one, I would, I would give it a skip. Or just hold on to later. Either way, let's dive in to the mess that was a Kansas game on this week's Schooner Pod. Hello, and welcome to the Schooner Pod. What the hell was that? Kansas? Really? Did we really just speak Bean Man taking over against OU into existence? Really? I had ex- we we knew you, you we knew you went low OU. We knew you played down to your opponent, but Kansas zero points in the first half. A nail biter against Kansas. What the fuck? Okay. Part my fridge. We're starting. We're starting. Part my fridge. Look, this 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 might get a spicy be a spicy episode. But good God, that was one of the worst games in OU football I have seen in my damn life. Just low was. energy from the players, complete lack of preparation from the coaches, across the board, embarrassing performance. And we'll we'll, we'll dive into the details. But Jameson, Ty, what the hell was that? Jameson, start us off. Things were a little bit calmer in the waiting room before we pressed live and started recording this. And then whenever shit hit the fan, we realized, oh, God, we have to talk about this atrocity of a game. There's just so many things that went wrong, and there's probably maybe one or two things that went right. And thank God one or two things go right and you can beat Kansas. But my God, Jason Bean, we've been talking about the Bean Man the whole season. People have been listening to this pod. They're probably like, okay, I'm tired of them talking about Jason Bean, the quarterback of Kansas. So all of y'all have been listening Schooner Pod since day one. You knew Jason Bean. Um, you just knew who he was. He wasn't really a problem. But he was a problem on Saturday. And then, too, we talk about uh, another team from down south uh, that's a state school in Texas too much. I don't know when that will come to fruition. But our obsessions kind of made it really weird watch, watching Bean just absolutely carve us on defense. It was very weird to be right in the worst way possible. Um but yeah, I, I just, man, offensively, Kansas did whatever they wanted. I, I, I think I exploded because I kept looking at that damn Jayhawk in our banner. A little smiley little <laughs> asshole. Like, I, I just, it just made me mad. I just had to blow up on him. Ty, uh, your thoughts on the game. I, we, you and I actually have not talked about this much at all. Um, what were your takes watching this damn thing? I thought it was good. I, I saw a lot of things that are not things that you want to see, but sometimes or not things that you know don't want to happen, but sometimes they have to happen. Um, and, and when things happen uh, and you can learn from them, it's important. So specifically Caleb Williams throwing his first interception, Caleb Williams being a starter and having a disappointing performance and being down and having to, you know, keep it together. It's really good to be Mr. Positive, you know, I'm going to do whatever. I don't care. Um, when you're taking over for someone that's already down, like Blake kind of said in one of the pods, you know, low expectations. And then when you're starting and then just everything goes right. So I understand it's, it's Kansas, but um, 
you know, I like to see our, our now starting quarterback have his sort of first real stumbles in a game against a relatively low-risk opponent. You know, I would I would be super, super worried if he didn't have an interception going into, you know, later on in the season. So, you know, uh, I'd be happy if he was. It was going to happen either way. And, you know, I, I, I'm not saying he just magically learned to never throw interceptions again. He's going to have them more this year. But it's it's about that attitude thing, you know, and, and facing some struggles that are his to deal with. I mean, if we're if we're talking silver linings, then yeah. I mean, I guess this would be the team to struggle against. But also, like for, for me, I just I, I feel like I feel like overall with this team, there have been enough of these. It is week eight, and it, it it's it's time. It's time for this team to shift into gear where they're actually going to be winning major games down the stretch. And the way to do that is by beating teams like Kansas. In a solid- it's Kansas. We're 38-point favorites. You didn't have to cover the full 38. But to, to, to play them to the wire, just like you did with Tulane, who, by the way, is still like only has one win, um, to just, just keep – just to regress – is so infuriating because it th- this team has such high expectations and they're still in a, in a position where they can reach those. They're still they're eight and First time since two thousand four that an OU team has been eight and which is awesome. They, they you know still in the driver's seat for the Big Twelve. Still have everything ahead of them. But the problem is they just they they, they never it, it never gets through to them and. It's frustrating, and we've talked about it year after year, of how they never they, they keep avoid like keep hitting these letdowns over and over again. I think it's just that's just who they are. That's just who they are. They don't get up for opponents. They they play down to opponents. They do the bare minimum. And it look, I, I know it's it might be a cardinal sin to criticize the great Lincoln Riley. It falls right on Lincoln Riley's shoulders, one hundred percent, and. I know there are a lot of people upset that you know they skipped practice on Monday, um, but that wasn't the problem. That wasn't the problem. They needed <laughs> rest. I, I think they needed rest for sure. It's it's been it's been crazy. the The problem is is how they approach this game. They you you can compensate for one day off by drilling it into your heads that we have to go out and you know nail this team. Nick Saban doesn't go on, have have days off. Kirby Smart hasn't had days off. Look what they did to poor Vanderbilt. That is the difference yeah. between a championship team and a team that goes out and fucks around and almost loses to Kansas. And it's, mm-hmm. it, 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 it is unacceptable because we've seen that this doesn't work. We've seen that this doesn't work from Lincoln's first year where he blew it against Iowa State and took, took his foot off the gas. He does this over and over and over again. And I just, when is he going to learn that he just can't just dick around like that anymore? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, that's a huge thing, you know, talking about the practice. And I'm going to say this before we move on and talk about our stuff. We are not paying Ty just to be devil's advocate here and be our Skip Bayless. This is just legitimate. And he has no, that was, a good point. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, 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 before I, them. I think that's honest. Like if you silver lining, yes, I agree. But I think that as podcast listeners, I know all of y'all want to hear the negative first and we'll just dive straight into it. And it's not supposed to be a defense to offense podcast, but that's how it's going to turn into because the negative obviously first is the defense. And I think it's extremely sad, y'all, that 
the part of the team, I mean, the position on our team that we were most optimistic coming into the season, and that's also including the offense, was the defensive line. And my argument is they played, especially the interior defensive linemen, by far the worst on the field. By far. I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. They've they've been struggling to get pressure all season long, um, and this was no no different. And you know we've tried to kind of you know pump sh- sunshine where it's like oh K State has a gritty D- O line and you know uh, West Virginia West Virginia is pretty solid. I don't know TCU's much improved. No Kansas is Kansas the, the 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 just the caliber of athlete you have there. It, it, you should not no impact whatsoever. And I actually have a couple good stats here, believe it or not. Uh, look at look at me. I, I did decent-ish research. Uh, shout out to uh, the Twitter account, College Football, uh, or uh, CFB Film Room on Twitter. Uh, you want to hear some stats, Jameson? Yeah, let's hear it. OU's defense pressured Kansas on only 23% of dropbacks. Jason B against OU's blitz, 5 of 8 for 74 yards, 0 sacks. Unacceptable! <laughs> That is supposed to be our best position, and we let the bean man shred us up. And then, not only that, they weren't even trying. They weren't even sending the dogs. It, it, it it's baffling. It blows my mind. I just that 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 is one thing to consider, though, because our our secondary is so hit. So, do you want to send the the pass rush and expose an already exposed de- um, defensive back team? To where if you're not even getting pressure to begin with in the front four, why should I send more and then just get, you know, the the cornerbacks and the safeties like struggling even more? So I think it more just falls upon not as much we should be blitzing more, we should be getting more pressure. No, our interior defensive linemen, and I'm looking at you, Perry on Winfrey, need to do more. Perry on Winfrey has absolutely been an embarrassment since Jalen Redmond has gone out. Jalen Redmond, I guess, was he the glue of that defensive line? Because we've had to shift Isaiah Thomas over, which has not really not done well for him, other than like, you know, versus Bijan Robinson. Other than that, he hasn't done much. Perry on Winfrey, I, I completely forgot he played for this football team. And Nick Benito's had his times. He's doing well, but he's a guy that I need. He wants the interior defense line to dominate so he can squeeze that offensive line in and helps his speed go around the middle playing in that stand-up linebacker in the rush position. And if you do not have a functioning defensive tackle and nose guard, Nick Benito is not going to look as good. Yeah. And I got to ask, I I think the question, I haven't heard this question asked once, really. How much did Ronnie Perkins cover for all of these guys? Because I think, here's the thing, they're not like bad D linemen per se, but Ronnie Perkins, when he was playing, and when, when he came in, completely changed that D-line. All of those guys ate. The thing is, when you, took per- when you take Perkins away, all of them look mediocre now in this, year, in this entire season. Other than, with, the, with the exception of Nick Benito. Yeah, we, we know our defensive linemen are very skilled. We've seen it with our eyes. And, you know, it's, they pass the eye test whenever they come out and play hard. Yes, Ronnie Perkins, he was a guy who came out there and he gave it 110% every single down. Whenever he came back from the suspension, he was keeping people accountable in practice. You know, he wouldn't let people walk. He he was getting mad at people, calling people off the sides, being a leader. It looks like our defensive line doesn't have that dog that's being a leader. Nick Benito, it looks, I don't know if he's just a lead by example guy, but he's not firing up the inside of this defensive line. I mean, like 
Perrion Winfrey was supposed to be a first, second, you know, day one slash two NFL draft pick. But if he keeps playing around like this, like I, I don't know what you want me to call him because all he is is just a big athletic guy in the middle that gives me shades of Neville Gallimore, but not nearly as good. Uh, honestly, the, the, the Selman Brothers statue they're about to put in on, on uh, Brook Street might be better than uh, Perron Winfrey right now. Just put the damn statue there. Uh, it, at least it'll block some space, uh, which he does, but it's just infuriating. And, you know, you know Ty, I, I got to ask, where is the leadership coming from on this defensive side? Is there any? Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know that there is a whole lot on, on the field, really. And, and I don't know necessarily that there's a whole lot on, on the sidelines kind of to, to circle back and then tie in something we talked about before. You know, we just we never get excited for games, even big games. You know, we have a hard time getting our guys hyped up for, which is a Lincoln Riley thing. And it's also an Alex Grinch thing. You know, and and it's the same when when your players were over halfway through the season. I think, yeah, we're over halfway Very through much. The, the season. So it, I understand that our, you know, to some extent, the players have to play up to to their stuff. But we got to make some changes. You know, it's on the coaches to you know see what your players are capable of doing and and employ them in the best way possible. And and I really think the big issue with our defense. I had had sort of an epiphany with the Kansas game. And it's that our defense has improved, if you want to use that word, but just enough to hurt us. So what we've done is improved our defense just enough that literally every team we play pulls like a West Point on us and just absolutely dominates time of possession and our offense can't get out on the field. And then, you know, because like we had – I think through the first quarter, I understand we got, you know, the the offense will get into that, but the offense had like seven snaps, maybe the entire first quarter. So, and then Kansas just absolutely dominated time of possession. So when we improve just enough to slow people down, but not stop them, we're creating these situations where we're like, oh my goodness, what's going on with Oklahoma? Whereas in the past, we would just let them score. And then we could just go out there and, and hammer them and outscore them. And now we're in this situation where, again, like the West Point game, we're not able to get anyone off the field reliably. Uh, I guess in, into the second halves, we sort of start to do better. But we get in these situations where our time of possession is just terrible. And it's not because we're going out there and scoring right away. It's because we're not removing people from the field and finishing you know, drives defensively. Yeah, yeah and I mean, it's not as like – it's not as much that we're – like getting like third and twos and they're just gashing us on first and second down. And, you know, like kind of how army like chips you down the field. There's a lot of third and like eights, third and sixes, you know, where you can easily stop them. And this is our time to shine. You know, it's an obvious pass down and we need Nick Benito coming off the edge and we need Perry on Winfrey blowing up the middle and Isaiah Thomas, you know, is number three to that, which is a great number three to have on this team. And it isn't happening. And then Jason Bean rolls out in the pocket, and by that time, our, we're not playing press coverage because we don't believe right now in our quarterbacks, which is very merited because, one, we got a guy who's a true freshman who's playing a second position in Billy Bowman out there. And then Jaden Davis, even though he played okay, is a get, been getting roasted the whole season. So we're not playing press coverage because we don't believe um, in those guys' ability to cover um, for a couple of seconds. And whenever you're playing off ball um, and you give – the quarterback 
a, like four or five seconds to throw, no matter how bad he is, no matter how inaccurate he is at Jason Bean, he's going to find, you know, a Kwame Laster or somebody open. It, it's it's as simple as that. So it starts, if you're going to talk about like where in the pyramid it starts, it starts on the defensive line. The defensive line should be making our hobbled secondary and our inexperienced secondary's job a little bit easier. The secondary is just kind of, you know, they're obviously not playing. They're doing a lot of things where they're not playing in the right spots. And, you know, there's a lot of smart people going um, talking about that. Like, for example, there's one play where they ran a little rollout and they, they everyone knows on boot rollouts. I think Gabe Iker was saying this um, yesterday that, you know, whenever there's a boot, there's always, you know, a short end kind of guy that's running with the quarterback. And then there's a guy that comes back later about 15 yards down the field. Everybody knows that play. And that guy was not even covered. So obviously there's a problem here, but our, our defensive line should be making their, their lives a whole lot easier. And that's not happening. Because here's the thing. Like I, I look, the schematics, they're the exact same that they, like the issues we had, you know, like you could say it for West Virginia you could say it for Kansas state you can say it for whoever, but here's the underlier. It's freaking Kansas. They're the worst third down conversion team in the country before they showed up here. And they're out here like converting third nine and 10. Nine of 13. Nine of 13. Nine of, nine of 13. That's despicable. It, it, it just, it, it, it blows my mind that this defense, it, I, I don't know if it's arrogance, if, it, if it's what, but they just, they don't play with any passion. They don't play with any fire. The, the only energy they have played with all season long has been the second half of Red River when it was just going crazy. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it is so infuriating to watch um, because this, it, it's Kansas. Uh, they're, they're, they're not a legitimate team. They have scored seven points in the first half against Big 12 opponents before entering OU's, uh, this OU game, which is just nuts. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, it's that simple. Now, of course, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, like Oklahoma, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long, with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, that's TPPN, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game straight up and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I got Go a ahead. question for you and Ty, you and Bobby. Does this does this defense fall more on the coaches? Because a lot of people have been really harping on Alex Grinch. You know, maybe they're not getting ready for it. Or is it more so just on our players? They're not filling the gaps and if they're doing the assignments that they need to. Ty, let's just start. Oh, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, some of the coaches. The, the coaches recruit the players. The coaches are supposed to develop the players. And the coaches are supposed to 
employ the players in, in the best way that they can. This is Kansas we're talking about, right? I don't I understand there's more nuance to this argument, but this is Kansas that we're talking about. Our athletes just across the board compared to Kansas's athletes, our defense versus their offense, we just have objectively better athletes. We should be able to go out there and reliably dominate. I understand we won the game, but this is like, you know, at the start of the season where I was saying, yeah, we won, but it felt like a loss. This is that same one. We should not be in this situation where we're struggling like this. And the only thing that really, really pops out to me is the coaching because I, we haven't seen a big, you know, shift across across the board. You know, we haven't. This was supposed to be the defensive coaching staff that was going to put us over the hump and make the difference. And I understand you can make the argument that the offense has maybe regressed a little bit, but the offense is still a, uh, a top ten in the nation offense in a lot of respects. And the defense is not living up to not living up to the hype. And like I said earlier, you know, when we were just letting people score on us. You know, at least we had more time to go out there and do whatever we wanted to do offensively. Now, you know, we're just slowing down the bleeding and still dying in the end. It, look, and I, I think, I think there's a chance this is a one-trick pony a, a defense. It's it's a gimmick um, because if they can't get pressure. They can't defend. They, they they can't defend. They can't cover. Yeah. Uh, the, the corners have done nothing but get worse this season. Um, you look at a guy like Jaden Davis. His over his career has done nothing but get worse. Um, and I, I mean, I, I fully agree with. Um, look, there there have been a lot of people you know who have pointed out Key Lawrence. Great, pretty solid performance. He's the Very only good. one who looks like he's improved. I fully mm-hmm. agree. I I I'm not the first one to have that take. It is not an original take. But it's the damn truth. Um, and you, you have to really be concerned about how we develop our, 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 our secondary. How we develop our linebackers, man. They're, they're, they're useless uh, in coverage. Absolute useless. They're tackling dummies. They don't do jack back there. Yeah. So it just, it's, it's infuriating to me. It's, um, it, it's it completely starts with the coaches because either you're gonna go balls to the wall and try to tear Kansas down, or do that. I just it it's baffling to me because either you get burnt by trying to send the house, um, or you just bleed out like that. Uh, but you know what? That's clearly not working. Kansas just tore us apart. The Bean Man tore us apart. A literal meme tore us apart um yeah. and it's it's just not I, I i've been rambling too long jameson go for it no, no it's i think i think a lot of it falls on the coaching and i think there's multi-facets of this um a and bobby was hitting on it um yeah our key lawrence has gotten better and he's developed we knew patrick fields was broken goods um we knew we've known that for a long time so in the development standpoint of the safeties room yeah i mean Alex Grinch isn't doing that half bad of a job of making his guys better. He's just not doing a good job at giving guys opportunities on the defense that should be getting them. Bryson Washington has shown nothing but good stuff this whole year. You know, he's had interceptions. He had a great fair catch on the, on the onside kick. Um, but you know how many snaps he got? Let's take a guess. Anyone want to take a guess how many snaps Bryson Washington got in a game where um, we could have tried to shown something different in the secondary zero. 
That was the answer. You didn't even have to guess. It's zero. I, I don't understand why, because um, Patrick Fields ain't really showing much this whole season. But he's our leader, and he's such a good guy, and he does all this stuff off the field. I don't care if you're not showing on the field. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what part you're in the locker room. I don't care how you are in the locker room. I care about how you're on the field. Um, Alex Grinch has a real big problem. And Okay, now let's go to the cornerbacks, Bobby. And this is what I want you, um, what you were kind of saying here. People, they always go down when they're cornerbacks. And we've seen this for a long time at OU, Jane Davis, um, exhibit a, and that's why whenever we hired Manning as our cornerbacks coach, what's originally was not supposed to be the case. He was a guy that we were looking at the linebackers coach, because that's what he played at UCLA and all that stuff. Um, but we want, um, Lincoln really wanted Odom and Grant said, you brought me on because I'm going to pick my own guys. Um, so you let me bring in Manning because I like him that much. And he said, screw it, throw him at corners. We'll be okay. And guess what? He's not developing them at all. They're getting worse and they're not fitting in their schemes because Roy Manning, he might know some stuff pretty well, but it doesn't look like he is making them any better and putting them into right schemes. And um, I know it falls a little bit on the players because obviously coaches aren't going to put you in a position to have guys running wide open. Um but the same thing is I, I he hasn't shown me anything so far that he's making our players any better. And that's the thing that's tough with Roy Manning. It's he's very likable. I, I, I genuinely like Roy Manning. I love having him in that locker room. And, you know, he's a great recruiter. He's a guy who brings a lot of energy. But you know, he, he reminds he reminds me in a way of someone else who was a great recruiter, who had a lot of energy, who who his players loved, and that's John Blake. And John Blake, despite the fact that he was loved, despite the fact that he was great, he couldn't develop players, he couldn't coach. Um, and even and even though he was likable and you wanted to keep him on board, you had to hire someone else because they're a better coach. And that's Roy Manning. He, he, he's the guy, sometimes when you have a coach that you really like, you know, it, it becomes a bit of a, you know, it, it, it's tough. Uh, I, I, sometimes you just got to say goodbye and make the tough decision. Bob Soup struggled with that, with uh, Josh Heupel. Um, he struggled with, um, God, I can't remember, the wide receivers coach who went to Nevada. Uh, blanking. Either way. Sometimes you have to make tough calls. And I think with Roy Manning, it's getting to the point where we might have to make a tough call. Yeah, um, I, I was talking to some people on Saturday night afterwards and I thought, you know, Roy Manning puts out this facade that he's like an extreme pump up the guy. And you'd think that he'd get the defense ready. You know, like he's uber for the team. He wakes up early and he go- goes hard. Allegedly, la- uh, a couple weeks ago before a game on Saturday, he was out at the Jones Assembly until like 2 a.m. on a Friday night. Um, so um, you can nice. obviously if, he, if he's maybe like bipolar or something and just doesn't sleep and gets up and just go- goes crazy, maybe that'll work. But Ordinarily, that's not what you do if you're a guy committed to the game and you're really trying to win. Obviously, his team has not been doing good enough for you to go out there and do that. I understand if coaches can have their social lives. That's great, but that's a little too much. Staying out till closing time, you know, out at a bar in OKC, not even in Norman where there's a long drive. That must have been a long, long Saturday for him already to begin with. So um, I did not like hearing that at all because it kind of just – the only thing I had on Roy Manning that really made me like him is like he's a get up and go guy and maybe he brings energy, but that really doesn't. If I was a if I was a player in the secondary 
and the coaches tell me you guys haven't been doing good enough. Stop going out and partying. I see all y'all on your Snapchats. Quit that. You got to focus for game. And then my coach does that. I wouldn't. I guarantee you, my I would not believe in that coach, and I would have trouble listening to him. And whenever your coaches aren't listening, and guess what they're going to do? They're going to screw up in the schemes. And th- I think there's might be a respect issue, um, definitely with Roy Manning. Absolutely, there is because there's been a problem with that. People even trusting to commit to him in the recruiting game. And then with Alex Grinch, when everything, all things are going bad, and he's not giving the backups any chance. What makes you think that you know when Josh Eaton at the cornerback position or Bryson Washington barely gets his play, they actually have done much because he's been ignoring them the whole time? It's about leading by example, and you know, no one, no one's going to follow you if you don't do the same thing. Uh, and I, sorry, Ty, before before I let you go, uh, if you're going to pull a coach beard, do it after the game. Uh, you, you don't do the coach beard before the game. You do it after. Uh, you have the late night there. Um, but Ty, uh, uh, I got you. What do you want? Or, sorry, that sounded wrong. You got it. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I think just to, to close out this, this, uh, little segment we're on, there's obviously a, a whole ton of issues just across the board. You know, the, the fact that there's even a debate, you know, oh, is it, is it the players or is it the, the coaching staff, uh, shows you that there's a problem with both or there are multiple problems with, with both, you know, there's not one uh, thing to, to say, Hey, this is it. And, you know, that's why it's persisted for so long, because even if it's a tough decision, like a specific coach, you know, or something like that, uh, if there's only one issue, it's very easy to identify and then uh, rectify or, or mitigate that, that issue. And I think it's, it's indicative of just the, the state that we're in, um, you know, that we can't necessarily identify, you know, one specific one and not just us, but uh, pretty much any sports media you listen to that's, that's covering these, these OU situations. And at the same time, it's weird because we're eight. No, um, which doesn't feel like we don't feel like we're eight. No, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't. And, you know, it's crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm in such a sad sack mood despite being in no, it's weird, but you know, we have high standards here. And I mean, the eye test, uh, you know, I don't care that we've won all of our regular seasons game. I'm kind of tired of hearing people saying, be happy right now. I feel bad that I self sad sack. Cause I mean, no, no, because guess what? In college football, um, you have one, you know, thing that is really going to make you happy at the end of the day. And that's winning a playoff game for us and hopefully winning a national championship. And by the eye test, we're not doing that. So stop saying I've, feel bad for being mad at this team because even though we're undefeated well our eyes are telling us that we're not good enough to do our goal so guess what we're going to be mad well not only that it's effort too i i feel like if we're just getting straight up beat that's one thing but we know what this team is capable of we know what this coaching staff is capable of and they just aren't doing it they just aren't cutting it they are not putting in the effort they're not putting in you know, they, they, it's just not together across the board. Um, Beatenbow didn't have his own line together, you know, to start, and they still aren't together. Um, they look, they looked just as undisciplined as ever on Saturday. The amount yeah. of penalties, unreal. Um, and the fact that it's not getting better, that they're regressing, it's it's in, it's infuriating because you know we we put. You know, obviously they put way more time into this than we do because they're actually out there practicing. We're just a bunch of dumbasses behind, you know, a microphone. But at the same time, we, we, we care and we put a lot of effort and a lot of energy into this. And 
it, it, it sucks to see a performance like this, you know, um, because it's it, it just it, it just felt like a slap in the damn face is what it did. Um, and I, I, I hope they feel bad. I kind of hope they all feel bad about it. They should. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing. Uh, two things on on um, what what one thing on what Jameson said, and then one thing on on what Bobby said. You know about feeling bad about you know being upset that we're eight zero. We're Oklahoma, and this isn't even a you know Oklahoma's great thing. This is more of a everyone else is bad thing. We're Oklahoma. We are expected to win our. Uh, out of conference opponent games, especially when they're you know like the ones this year. Like our our strongest out of conference opponent was Tulane, so we're expected to win those. We're expected to win out in the Big Twelve. You know the past years where we've won the Big Twelve and and dropped a game here and there. Yeah, there were teams that were a little bit better, but those were upset losses for OU. We were expected to win those. That was the expectation. The expectation is that OU is going to beat its out-of-conference opponents, and it's going to run the Big 12. We're doing that so far, but that's the bare minimum. Like, that's the floor for Oklahoma. And it's not necessarily even a OU is this great, you know. The Big 12 is not that amazing when it comes to strength of schedule. And a lot of the times we have a lot better out-of-conference opponents. This year we just happened to not um, because we were booking, you know, destination-wise, even though it ended up being in Norman. But that's the expectation. Right, so you shouldn't be upset when we're barely meeting the bare minimums. Like we're getting like a seventy on the season right now. Like yeah, we're we're checking the boxes and passing, but it's not great. And and there's definitely some room to criticize. And uh, and with that, you know, ultimately, like I always harp on, you know, it's an entertainment product at the end of the day. Like they they go out and play football. They don't generate anything by doing that. You know, they're not out there like. There's not like a you know touchdown coin where like a, a crypto is mined every time they score a touchdown. Although we definitely need to get on that now that I said Ooh. that. Ooh. Okay. Caleb coin. Caleb coin. I love it. Yeah. I don't think we can um, brand it off of the players. It what well, it's just a yeah, Caleb. We can't brand it off the players. We gotta pull the NCAA uh-huh. and say let's, like let's a pay Ralph Rucker thirty dollars to um, get a uh, an IL deal and we'll make a Rucker coin. Spencer oh, coin. Austin's in. I love booed. it. Yeah. Every time he's booed, we do a release. Rucker coin. I love it. But uh, yeah, so but, but what I was going to say is ultimately it's an entertainment product. The fans are the clients and therefore have the ultimate, you know, anyone that's ever done anything in, in the business end. You know, it's not like the customer is always right there. The client, the one that is paying for everything, you know, is going to have the ultimate say. And, and I understand, you know, nobody here is a, a massive donor, at least, you know us personally but you know your season tickets go towards stuff there's all sorts of things that that go towards you know funding this and and that's each individual piece and and at the end of the day the people paying for it you know have the greatest say i'll have you know ty i paid 200 dollars for my donation uh to get my tickets in and i i'm kidding of course but it's i i don't know it it sounds hokey and goonery and old timey to say, but it's like when you're playing for OU, you're playing for something bigger than yourself. You're playing for the people that came before you, your, your, you know, your students, you know, just you're, 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 you're playing for this, this institution and all the people that came before you. And, and maybe you aren't, maybe you're just trying to play for the NFL. That's totally fine. But I, I, I don't know. I, 
I think maybe this overly romantic idea of, you know, that it, it means a little, little some more in college or, um, I don't know, maybe that's lost to other people, but I, I don't know. I, I, I know I certainly feel a lot of pride when I slip that dirty old OU hat on my head every Saturday and, you know, head to Norman and, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bummer when other people, you know, the people who actually are out there doing the work, uh, sometimes don't feel that way. Um, because I, I know I certainly do. Um, but you know, sad boy um, hour for Bobby. I know it is sad boy <laughs> hours. It is sad boy hours, but here's the thing. Look, and I'm not trying to pump sunshine by being like, oh, right, no, blue, blue, blue. You'll but, never see a, a fan work harder than this guy. <laughs> You'll never see a fan. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, need, we need, here's the thing. We need, that's what we need. We need leadership. You know, not Tebow, like, you know, whatever BS leadership that was that nobody actually cared about. We we need a guy to really galvanize this locker room on the defensive side mainly because Caleb Williams is there already. Yeah, he was absolutely. trying to be the guy on the defensive side, and we we we've been talking about the sad stuff. We've been talking about the annoying stuff, but let's talk about Caleb Williams uh, because you know all things considered, when he was actually on the field, a uh, pretty good game outside of that pick. Uh, completely overlooked a wide open uh, Kennedy Brooks, uh, which would have gotten a first down or maybe more, which is atrocious. Uh, but that was his one freshman moment. He will know not to do that anymore, I would hope. Um, but, you know, uh, 15 for 20, 178 yards, two touchdowns. And, of course, the most bonkers play I've seen in my life on that fourth and one where he rips the ball out of Brooks's hands and uh, gets that first down. Jameson, uh, we were watching that one to get together. Have you seen anything remotely like that? No, it, it was absolutely ridiculous. Some of the plays that he made on fourth down um, were unbelievable. Let's talk about the first one before we talk about the uh, the handoff play. Yeah. Because the first one, I was yelling this whenever I was watching this with you. Uh, my God, why did he go to the outside on that? Because he had all the room in the world in the middle and this dude went to the outside on fourth and two thank the lord broke two tackles but you know that's what happens when you have kansas tackling and he made a huge play because caleb williams is destined for one big play but if he goes up the middle that's the safe play it was there see that's just another freshman mistake thing that it ended up being okay because he's so talented you know when you go back in this and you look like he made that play because he's so talented but at the same time whenever he gets a little bit smarter and sees things better and he gets more experience on his um you know and whenever he's been playing a little bit more because he didn't even play last year uh he'll start seeing those things better let's talk about the handoff though because that's a huge huge deal there's a couple things in lincoln riley not giving you know caleb his flowers after the game kind of enraged a lot of people saying like you know there was a heady play but he didn't really talk much like wow how he's amazing for thinking of that you know he said we practice this and practice and all these kinds of things i I, after kind of sitting on it kennedy brooks having the wherewithal whenever he's getting gang tackled by a couple guys to realize caleb is right in front of him and i'm going to give up the ball to him is almost just as good is Caleb coming to grab it. Caleb is away from all the havoc. He's not getting tackled. He says, I need to go get this ball to go make a winning play. Very, very smart play. But Kennedy being able amongst all of the traffic to realize that is my teammate and to give it to him was almost just as equal in my mind. Well, especially with how fast it was given the um, you know forward uh, progress issue, which is what a lot of people had with it. But um, 
Ty, your thoughts on that insane play? Yeah, I don't. I don't want to, you know, be too hardcore devil's advocate here, but that was a. It worked, but that was a. I, I don't want to call it a stupid play, but I hope he never tries that again because the likelihood of that, you know, working. There's a whole argument, and I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of them on whether or not that was even legal. I'm fairly certain that Brooks did cross the line of scrimmage by uh, a noticeable margin and forward progress was definitely stopped for uh, a significant enough time before the the handoff occurred. So I do want to acknowledge people's, you know, arguments uh, there because I don't necessarily think that they're wrong. It was just such a novel situation, but that is a, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's a smart play. Like the likelihood of that working, and I'm not talking about on the review side, like the likelihood of that just working out like it did on the field is just so ridiculously low. And the potential for what could have happened there was just, you know, had had that turned into a, a scoop and score for Kansas, you know, that would have been the potential game-turning moment. So that specific play... I don't know. But like I said, when we first saw Caleb Williams really against Texas, this is one of his biggest keys. It's a completely intangible. I guess you could argue he's just so skilled that he makes it happen. The dude is just lucky. He just has the schooner magic. You know, you see it in some of his throws. You see it and, you know, he looks like um, this is a bad comparison, but he looks like Manziel out in college. Like Manziel was just riding on luck the whole time at A&M, like just doing crazy stuff and, and it was working and you know, Baker to some extent, although Baker is fundamentally much better than, than Manziel. Uh, but I think, I think Williams has, has the potential to be, you know, better than both. Obviously, it's kind of a low bar for He is uh, really yeah. special. I was about to say luck rewards hard workers, and then you just said Johnny Manziel was also lucky, and then I retract that statement. He was. Um, His entire – if you go watch, like, actual, like, film experts, there's a ton on YouTube, like, review Manziel's, like – big college stats they're just like the the, like the probability of like the stuff that he pulled was just like i'm i'm just saying he wasn't a hard worker so usually luck you know if you're if you're lucky there's probably some hard work behind it that was the thing yeah no but there's like luck is a definitely a thing and some people are just luckier than others i agree it was the people on his team really yeah before I forget this and i'll let you talk about this bobby because it's obviously probably the biggest thing in the game um you know just storyline wise is uh, the forward progress thing. I understand the forward progress um, definitely could have been called um, in an ordinary game. Yes, it could have, but there's a thing with referees in all, you know, facets of sports. You see it in basketball. Sometimes in basketball, um, the referees will let a little bit more extra contact under the goal. And as long as they call that on the other side of the court, it's okay because that's how they're playing and they're playing consistently. They saw with forward progress early in the game, Jason Bean had one where he was stopped and he sat there for about two or three seconds. And then they pushed him after that. So if you're playing the forward progress was stopped, you got to call it the same on both sides. So maybe by the books, we should have called Kennedy Brooks down. And, but if you're not going to call that, uh, if you're not going to call it like that earlier in the game, you shouldn't call it again later in the game. Agreed. And you know, I feel like a lot of bleeding heart college football Writers out there are all, you know, cool, you know, Kansas got screwed and all this stuff. Exactly. That that play alone, people completely forgot. That is the most, you know, no forward progress, dead play I've seen in my life. Uh, comparatively, you look, I look, if you ask me, honestly, 
Brooks was the forward progress was done, of course, but it's such a fluid, crazy play that you can't decide it, and you know it it happens. But you know, it, it, especially when that precedent is set, like like you said, Jameson, um, you know, you got you got to call it both ways, and you know, good on the refs on that end. Uh, they they did, um, but uh, well, I don't I don't know if that play has ever occurred with the circumstances that it did. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other day, like that's I was honestly I was shocked at how short it was in the review booth. Yeah, um, it's because, because the majority of the time is it's we're thinking about you know people that are getting stopped and they fumble it on purpose, but this was not a fumble. You know, this was a handoff. This was just you know it was just like if the quarterback had the ball and gave it forward to a guy coming across, you know, in motion. That's essentially what it was, but just on the right side of the field after a little bit of play that's gone on. Um, and you know, if it was a fumble, you're not technically allowed to get a first down by forward fumble, um, on fourth down, it does not count. It's neglected. Um, they made that rule in the past cause it's happened many times. Cause people go, Oh shit. Whenever they're about to get stopped and say, screw it. It's, I better just take the chance. Maybe someone picks it up and gets first down rather than, you know, Oh, well, they might, the, the defense might recover. And it's the same thing as me getting tackled. Um, and also the thing um, about your, um, you know, that is probably was kind of a dumb play with him doing that. What if it was a, you know, a, uh, they take it back for six. Uh, this wasn't a lateral. This wasn't a fumble because majority of times with handoffs like that, you know, if they drop the ball, the guy that was getting the handoff should be right there to dive on it. And, and if he's right there, there's um, the majority of the time there, it shouldn't be a guy coming around the middle, picking it up and scooping it and scoring because of how proximal everything is. Those scoops and scores of those long little bouncers and, and on fumbles or your quarterbacks isolated in the backfield and you have three defensive linemen back there. Plus the alternative of Kansas being on your 50 anyways, if you just are down um, is already really bad. So there is not a ton mm-hmm. to lose there, honestly. Yeah. Uh, especially after what we saw Kansas do, um, you know, because that's the thing they, they did do the time of possession thing great but when OU kind of got up a bit and they needed to you know come back and score they zipped down the field they had no issue scoring fast which of was course. that was honestly the most disturbing part of all of it all of it was disturbing all of it was gross I don't like it and I'm, I'm kind of ready to throw this game in the trash because at the end of the day I, and I'm not trying to make the excuses for OU but at the end of the day I think you can realize that this was a strange circumstance for OU, and there are a lot of problematic behaviors, a lot of red flags, a lot of warning signs. But at the same time, you know, I a level this bad, I don't think we'll see again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I think there's a lot of things to talk about in the offense too, um, Ty. Uh, there is there is some things to also be concerned on in a minor level. Um, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, we kind of overlook it. You know, Kennedy Brooks kind of struggled to get going for the most part today in the run game. Um, I don't know how much that was Kansas' scheme, but it doesn't matter really what Kansas schemes Kennedy Brooks should eat. 24 carries or 79 yards. Come on. Um, he should be doing a whole lot better than that. Um, and then also, I, I think we, I mean, there's really not much to talk about Kennedy. He's just going to get his. I, I don't think this is some kind of like thorn his side that he's going to be screwed over. But I want to hear your thoughts, you know, especially Ty, like, like what, what do you think is going on with this wide receiver room? Last week, we kind of saw Jane Hazelwood trying to step into that wide receiver one room. Did we just not get the opportunity to see a wide receiver one with the amount of drives that we had and kind of the position we were in this game? Or is, is it going to be kind of the same old, same old that we saw with Spencer Rowler to begin the season is we're just kind of even across the board and whoever's open gets it. 
Yeah, so I, I think here, um, obviously, sort of an, an underperformance, but I think here the stats don't necessarily tell the tale. Um, when I went back and, and watched uh, highlights, I saw, and I saw this during the game as well, I a lot of people might disagree with me with, with three receptions, but I saw a pretty firm WR1 uh, case for Hazelwood, again, um, which is something that he's he's really started to cement, uh, which is good. Uh, Gray got some more receptions. I think that was, you know, a halftime adjustment uh, schematic thing, you know, us really trying to to change stuff up, which if you really go back and watch, uh, there were some pretty significant things, like, you know, working Gray out uh, in more receptions. But, again, the Drake Stoops getting is amazing, but three catches, um, and then I think he had a, a target that was – uh, poorly thrown, but Drake Stoops out there dying on uh, on blocks and receptions again. Um, we need our other, you know, our five star dudes. I understand he's one of the older guys, but Mims and and uh, that that other guy that's like five six um, to to get out there. Because I mean, I, there was one play where Drake Stoops was. Uh, I think he may have touched on it. Like uh, Williams was rolling out on just a, a QB run. And Stoops was, like, trying to block four dudes all on his own. It was actually pretty hilarious. He's running around, like, waving his arms, going back and forth, like, trying to fight back four dudes. Uh, it's just crazy. But, yeah, An obligatory shout-out to Drake Stoops for his tremendous effort, uh, more so than any other receiver on the team. Well, and early on in that first half, Drake Stoops was, like, the only good thing about the offense. Uh, yeah. He, well, he, and, he was so stabilizing. And I think that has to do – a little bit it, to toot my own horn that my whole take of the best place to be as a receiver is WR2. Cause you're the dude that has enough. If you're a firm WR2, you got enough skill to be out there making plays, but you're not the dude that the entire defense is like, Oh, he's over there. He's over there. Like we got to key him up. You're the guy that can make those sneaky, uh, you know, plays. And I think that's what Drake Stoops does and, and does it reliably. As red dirt sport says, often uh future new england patriot drake stoops which you know that i mean i mean that role is something that you know the pats have done really great with and you know i i don't know if, if he has that in him but he, he certainly maybe plays tampa bay he, he yeah yeah it's true. a key part of the the brady it's a brady uh, thing not a not a belichick thing uh, you got a tall crazy white dude gronk and then you got a little crazy white dude Gronk uh, at least is like the like right kind of crazy. He he's not a murder he's not a murder kind of crazy. He's just well, like, I was talking about like fun? as the little crazy. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I, <laughs> I I thought you were making a Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez story. is also not a white dude. Yeah, but, <laughs> true, yeah. true. Good point. Good point. Good point. Anyways, um, let's just end this. Let's end this, Jameson. <laughs> what do you? What grade would you give it? A through F to whatever the hell number you want to give it. I give it a C minus, and I think this was kind of um, was it? Were, were you talking about Ty? Were you talking about passing about this what whole game? Are you, th- I'm this talking game, about the entire passing. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The entire like the, game. How would you grade this entire game, Jameson? It depends. It depends what scale because this is so tough. I don't have. I've never graded a game before because we won, so we passed. But we got a seventy percent, and I really liked what Ty said because you know we are a. You know, as OU, we're like a 3-9 student. We get A's a lot of the time. We have very high expectations for us. We've tripped up our, in our fair share of times. We, we, for the majority of time, you know, we, we do well. 
you know, passing, you know, 70% passing is, is a great test grade to get for some many, you know, teams and players across, um, you know, all of athletics. I'm sure there's plenty of athletes to get 70% and good for you if you have a degree upon 70% because it's great. But whenever you're a 3-9 student and you get a 70% on that test, you're absolutely livid about it and you're pissed. And that's all you can think about and you're, you're really, really mad about it. That's what happened here. You know, we've got, we did what we needed to do. We, we had a couple correct answers to get us to pass. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, we dropped the ball and a lot of bad things happened. And maybe we didn't study hard enough. And that's probably what happened. Maybe we were out, you know, partying at Jones Assembly till 2 a.m. on Friday. I'm living proof that C's get degrees, baby. They might not win national titles, but I'm not going to make that joke. Uh, Ty, grade. What, yeah, what would no, you grade so- I'll do. Uh, I'll change it up from the A, B, C, D, um, F scale. We'll we'll go uh, A, C, T scale for uh, for this. So, <laughs> what I would what I would give this team uh, on the <clears throat> on the A, C, T scale is, um, I know we have some special listeners. So the A, C, T is graded from one to thirty six. Um, I would give it a twelve. So not good enough to get into OU, but good enough to get into OU if you look good at high school football. So they 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 woke up hungover, forgot the calculator, uh, and just kind of kind of guessed. Well, that would be presuming that that one our athletes went to class and that also had majors that required a math course. Oh my! Um, <laughs> hey, I got a major that required intro to logic, so I, I yeah. take I take offense to that. One guy. one fairly important athlete does in fact have a a course that involves okay. math, uh, but he he's able to to use the what did you put Ty. method. Oh God, Ty! <laughs> Look, here here's what I'm going to give this grade. Uh, so. This is a, I didn't show up to the final, but my uh, teacher just didn't care and still passed me anyway. Uh, because they didn't show like an up athlete, yeah. at all. They were not like, this is like uh, your film teacher who, you know, you, you, uh, you show up the final day and he's like, what do you think you deserved? And even though you didn't turn in like several of the assignments, you just say, I got to see. And then he lets you go through. Because even though you that's didn't not, do the work. That's not how my film teacher was. You got that the wrong like film teacher. My film teacher was named Professor Boyd, as in Boyd Street. Ah. Building Boyd. And, yeah. Oh, you should have known. You should have known not to take that. Everyone listening is still in school. Please research your professors beforehand. It is how – it well, is it's a like difference it's, yeah, of like you, watch, you watch movies, and then you talk about your opinion about them. My, how hard can it be? One of, one of the movies I watched in my film class was a movie where basically the entire time there was a giant, like, semi-truck that chased a guy. And he was very scared the whole time. Uh, and that's about it. Also, you watch, uh, you also watch Django in my eyes. That sounds fun. What's that? I was going to say, we watched Django in mine, which was surprising. To I mean, that that sounds fun. We also watched I, one I, where someone had sex with a car, and that was a little weird. Okay, what is wrong with Cars the that you have in humanizing vehicles? I was envisioning kind of uh, this semi-truck as a you know pete the dragon kind of thing am i am i on the right the right track no here? i think you're talking about you're talking about the remake of family vacation where the no, dude no 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 I, no this is um, actually just the movie you just it ended with the truck the just driving off a cliff it's called oh uh, really you, you know what's also driven off this cliff this podcast am i right hey, hey let's talk about texas tech for five minutes as an obligatory uh preview as is tradition 
Okay, uh, let's break down OU Texas Tech and uh, just starters. Matt Wells, head coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Um, if you have missed it today, uh, we're recording on Tuesday, or sorry, Monday, gosh. Uh, we're recording on Monday. Matt Wells has been relieved of his duties. He has been fired and replaced with uh, uh, Sonny Cumbie. If you know, uh, if you listen to this pod, you've definitely heard Blake complain about Sonny Cumbie, former <laughs> uh, <laughs> former TCU offensive coordinator. I forgot Texas didn't Tech. Even make that. Sonny Cumbie <laughs> is in charge. Uh, and look, I-, I tweeted this out earlier in the day. If your if your first reaction wasn't, "Oh dear God, we're about to lose to a team that just fired their head coach," uh, you haven't been an OU fan long enough because this would be just too perfectly OU to just skate by and then lose to the dumbest team possible with Henry Columbia and Sonny Cumbie. So, <laughs> Javison, uh, should we just throw out everything we know about Tech now? Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of worried about this game because the first thing that I thought of, you know, going into Texas Tech, this was before the Kansas week, I was like, you know, we're going to do, we should handle Kansas and it should allow us to put in like a Spencer Rattler in the second half. And, and it should allow him to at least play somewhat decent, you know? So there's one spectrum. And then like maybe the fans will be like, okay, whatever. He's the backup now that he's not going to overtake Caleb. We don't have to boo him and just be, you know, Spencer's age. Like we hate him um, as fans. Now, there's two aspects of this game. One, if OU handles Texas Tech, by the way, Vegas thinks so, you know. We win by, you know, like 17 or 20, and I think this one's up to 20 now. After the head coaching news, the the line went up at three. Uh, You know, there should be a chance that backups could come in. And Spencer Rattler coming in first back to OU and not on the road is scary. Then there's the other side of it. Like you're saying is, what is going right for this defense to make me think that Columbia, a guy that we also have been making fun of this whole year, um, even though we kind of like his hair and we, we actually kind of like him more though, so we just kind of make fun of Bean because of his last name. Like, is he just going to sauce up our defense just like Jason Bean did? I'm pretty sure I referred to uh, Henry Columbia. It's Jerry Colombo for all of last year, uh, which is also the name of the guy who scammed uh, millions out of uh, McDonald's uh, Monopoly coupons in the 90s you wouldn't so, know that I, i'm sorry about what? that uh yeah you no i wouldn't know that no i i a documentary came out i mixed the columbi colombo so, so henry columbi i'm sorry for calling you jerry colombo last year please do not murder <laughs> us uh i'm very afraid of you uh Ty, <laughs> your 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 early take on the the red Raiders. you know what so yeah this whole time when i went on this whole columbia is cool thing i thought it was sunny i just realized that sunny cumbie and henry columbia are different people what confusing well i just knew i had a weird like c name stuck in my head wait so you're talking about the quarter so were you talking about the quarterback with the long luscious hair you talk about the coach he's something like that no i didn't know they were different people (laughs) i just thought there was some weird like amalgam of like offensive uh, coordinator and quarterback you guys are talking about backups coming in. What we don't want is Columbia's backup coming in because I don't know anything about him, but the dude's name is Maverick McIver. Oh, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> Maverick? Wait, what? 
Maverick. Yeah, you're right. Maverick MacGyver. Is that the most Lubbock thing you've ever heard, or what? That sounds. That's like someone, a. Someone looked it up. He has to have a. Mullet. That's like a really cheap mod. No, he doesn't. Oh well, not in his ESPN photo at least. But that's like a really cheap like throw in generic names on NCAA that aren't actual names like Maverick MacGyver. Oh God! Hold on, I'm pulling up for the for those of you watching. Uh, I'm pulling up Maverick MacGyver here. Look at this man. <laughs> yeah, that, not not what I okay. expected though. He's he got, a, look he's got cool. a, a necklace tap though. He doesn't look like a maverick. Look he at the like, necklace tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Well, like a, what what do you call it? It's got to be a real necklace. necklace. He looks like one of no, those losers that went to Dallas Jesuit or something. Yeah, we we got You're some exactly listeners right. like that. Where did he? Where did he go? I don't know. That is that is just a necklace. He's from San Angelo. That is. San Angelo, oh, I don't know. Okay, there's, there's well, that's enough talk about Maverick MacGyver. The last thing yeah, we need a, to be called is a lot of Texas things. High School Football yeah. Podcast. Well, I mean, like, don't, another guy that we used to love to talk about in Texas Tech, I'm pretty sure they have a guy that we always called Eczema. Um, the, the, the wide receiver, Eczuna, is a guy that could, you know, sauce us up. Kwame Laster for Kansas did it, so anybody can do it. So that's, you know, kind of similar place to us. I, don't, I really don't know him that well. Um, but, you know, number one wide receiver is could do it because our cornerbacks aren't there. Um, but I, I, it's it's also we have to talk about, you know, Texas Tech. Obviously, we're just talking about the coach. And we're talking about us. But, you know, Texas Tech blew it so hard in the second half last week for K-State. Did not score a point and had a game where they felt like they were they had it in the first quarter um, and lost the game by a point. Um, so momentum-wise, they're pretty rock bottom similar to us where we just hit a really really poor spot obviously with kansas but your coach getting fired after you absolutely blowing it not scoring in the second half i'd rather not score in the first half and at least do something in the in the second half and then blowing it and losing in the second half so momentum wise we're kind of on similar you know storylines here well, and I mean, the way they lost, too, was just very dumb. It was, it was safety and then, like, two touchdowns. K-State K- just kind of, like, rolled into this one. It, was, it wasn't exactly like they just blew up on them. Tech just gave it away. It, it just an awful performance. But um, I don't know. Uh, Cumby is an offensive guy who, you know, ha- has had his issues, but I would expect him to be a lot more offensive than uh, – than Matt Wells was, who just I, I, he wasn't a fit for the system. And if you want to go towards a Utah State, you know, grind it out type of offense, you know, with a solid defense, you got to give him more time. Um, and it just didn't work because you, you can't do that. So now they're going to go a full 180 and go right back to a leech guy. I've got bad news. What happened? It's a storyline thing. Oh, Maverick no, McIver's dad is named Rick, he played for Texas. He's three and zero against OU. Oh my god! Oh my god! We need to make sure Rick MacGyver, Maverick MacGyver, does not touch the field, or yeah. else we are screwed. Yeah, that's we're no, very weird. Harry on Winfrey's playing in the middle. I, I don't see how a quarterback can get hurt. So in the way our secondary playing, I don't see how a quarterback can get benched. So I think we're safe. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Hopefully. I, I, we we got to touch on um, Sir Roderick Thompson, though, as well. Uh, pretty solid running back. He's kind of small little dude. Pretty good. Um, but OU, OU's run defense is pretty solid, so I, I'm not too worried. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, 
eczema definitely definitely uh also someone or, or how you, or, we have no sorry. idea how to pronounce it Exukanma. 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 Here we go. Making fun of the opponent again. This is going to be a mess, but you know what? If if everyone brings it, I'm excited for the 2.30 kickoff. The the, the golden hour, if you ask me, uh, because you have a little bit of time in the morning, get right to it during the day, and then you have the little nice night game. So uh, two games left. You might be pouty, whatever. Just go out and enjoy some football uh, and hope this OU team turns around because, God, we sure need it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I really think there's not too much to really harp in with Texas Tech. Um, you know, it's I, I do not want to say because I always say like feel so arrogant, but we need to get our ducks in a row this game um, and focus on us. You know, obviously we're in a scheme for Texas Tech, but there's a lot of little things that we need to do better. Being in the right place on defense, you know, not losing assignments, and then obviously just seeing if people stay healthy. My hope. For here, just talking about injuries, um, because that's probably one of the last things we'll kind of hit on here, is, you know, DeLaren Turniel suiting up and Jalen Redmond suiting up and not actually playing in the Kansas game last week makes you think, you know, oh, they're probably pretty close. Um, And I really would like to see both of them take this game off again. I understand that's going to be ugly because I think those are two huge glue guys at both positions because we've seen, you know, uh, Jalen Redmond, whenever he's on the interior defensive line, our interior defensive line looked really dominant. And we we're talking how great this defensive line was. And, you know, DeLaron Turniel is always the player of the game, and he's our best player in the secondary. Um, so they'd be nice to have, but I would really not want them to come back too early, especially on DeLaron Turniel's standpoint. I would be okay with Jalen Redmond coming back because it's a meniscus injury. You know, if you come back too early for a meniscus injury – you know, you might just not have as much mobility and stuff, but you can't it's it's not likely you're gonna get re-hurt that, you know, meniscus that's in between your upper and lower leg bone. Hamstring injury, on the other hand, with Delaren Turner Yell, as you saw already in the first game versus Texas, you come back too early, you re-pull it. You need time for that. And we have a bye week after this, so take your time with it. Same thing for Woody Washington too. Yeah. Gotta get ready for championship November. Ty. Yes, doctor, I concur. Um, no, what I was going to say, I've heard it mentioned elsewhere, but it's really quick. We haven't mentioned it. No bye weeks yet. We played four games in September. This is our fifth game in October alone. All right. We've been through, I understand our strength of schedule is not amazing, but it's competitive for our level. We've been through a gauntlet. If this was NCAA, our most rested player would have a little yellow ring around him, right? Like all the dudes have got to be just beaten down right now because these every single one of these games has been a grind, right? So if I were Lincoln Riley, really, I would be in the locker room and I'd be saying, team, it's been a grind, but I think I've aged you well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. If you, if you don't get that, if you don't get that, I, I feel it's really bad for you, but I'm sure it's in your, your subconscious memory somewhere. And just Jeez. turn on the – Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> there, there it goes. There it goes. I love it. it now. Of course. All right. Let, yeah. let's, let's cut let's let, cut her let's, off. Let's wrap this up. I'm going to ask you a question before we go. Jameson, when was the last time we lost to Texas Tech? Or Ty, if you all know it off the top of your head, take a guess. The year. Uh, 2021. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm, you know me, I am, like, in terms of sports, I am, like, so bad at history. All year stuff, just, I, I can't answer these questions. No idea. I, Two, Bobby, do you know off 2000 the and, I do. 2002. 2011. God. The head coach, oh, Tommy Tuberville. Uh, oh it was God. the it was the rain delay game in 2011. Texas Tech went on uh, this run from 2005 to 2011 where they beat us like every odd year. It was awful. Um, okay, I do remember that. My guess was completely bogus. I, yeah, I'm just not. I'm not a historian. Never have. Never will be. I just want to say Tommy Tuberville's name on this podcast. So I I felt like it maybe would you know give some bad mojo to Texas Tech. But anyways, let's wrap this thing up. Jameson, Ty, thank you all so much. You so much for coming on. Always a great time. Thank you all so much for listening as well to our rants and our, um, you know, my various curses. Apologies for that. Anyways, we are presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network, DraftKings. And, uh, yeah, make sure to check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Twitter. Our uh, live stream's pretty damn good, I would say. You get to see our, our faces and stuff. And, uh, guys... We have a hell of a football feast coming out this week. Uh, it It is truly the wildest one yet. Uh, it, it gets intense. Um, I can't wait to see it. I, I'm sure y'all are. We're doing uh, Texas Tech and the uh, Spanky's Fried Cheese. Uh, massive logs of mozzarella sticks. So you get to see my dumbass attempts, attempt to deep fry something uh, for the first time with no prior knowledge or experience of deep frying anything. So uh, just... Just imagine how that goes. It, uh, it does not go well. Um, and also, of course, keep an eye out for uh, the schooner simulation coming out later. Later this week, our pal Michael Whitman is uh, out here cooking up a great video. So it's going to be some good stuff. Anyways, that is it for the schooner pod this week. Make sure to uh, follow along. Rate us five stars wherever you get your podcast. And uh, we'll see you later for the weekend spread with Bowden Blake. Until then, have a good week. Boomer sooner.